Hello and welcome to another episode of Voices to Dream. I'm your host, Suzanne Mann, also known as The Challenge Girl. Voices to Dream is about interviewing guests from around the world and sharing our stories and our wisdom in the hope that we can all learn from them. Because for me, having conversations, listening to people's stories is truly how we learn and love and become more compassionate people. So through sharing our voices, we also, I also hope that we also are able to dream a bit more, open up our lives to the dreams and hopes of those things, those things around us, stop being scared and realize that it's, it's our dreams that keep us going. I hope you enjoy our guest today. He has a magnificent story and truly you will definitely hear how his he how how he has made his dreams come true. So enjoy, please like, subscribe, comment and share because I guess my biggest hope is that with with these podcasts is that more and more people are able to hear them, not so much so that not so much from me becoming popular, but because I want my my guests stories to be heard. They are all such brilliant people and truly deserve to have a, a, a very large audience. So thank you for being with me and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to Voices to Dream. I'm Suzanne Mann, the Challenge Girl, and I am so incredibly honored and excited to have my guest with me today. This is Kevin Taylor. Good morning, Kevin. Morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so well. And I've been looking forward to this. I met you in Exuma and we'll talk about that soon, but um, I, I enjoy talking to you and uh, I was sorry that I didn't get to talk to you a little more. So I'm excited about this opportunity today. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, this is this is one of the things with my with my listeners. I purposely sometimes like not to have too much of a conversation with my guests beforehand mm. because I want to get to know you as the listeners get to know you. So I know I actually felt like listeners, I felt like I had to sort of hold back and not ask Kevin too many questions when I met him. So mm. um so that I could I thought you were just being rude. <laughs> I'm never rude. I'm no, never no. Rude. I enjoy meeting you, and, and I enjoy meeting your family too. And but that, it, it's it's something about Exuma, isn't it? It's a special That's place. Right. That's right. So, well, this is it. And I also like to get to have my guests sort of introduce themselves because I figure no one I could read your bio, but no one knows you better than you do. But the little bit that I know about Kevin that we're going to get mm -hmm. into. So, Kevin is a writer, director, producer man of many, many talents and mm. also runs charity events, lives in the Bahamas, has an incredible life story to tell us today. So I'm so looking forward to it. And before we start, though, I just want to check in with you, Kevin, and I just mm. want to check in and see how you're going today. So this is our just a bit more than a how are you? Um, mm -hmm. How are you going today? Well, um, it's an exciting time for me. I'm actually on a bit of an 
upswing and I'm very excited about it. And it has been a really tough pandemic for um, a lot of people, including myself. Um, I have a kind of a mom and pop production company in the Bahamas here. And I've had that for an excess of 20 years. And most of my work was with the Bahamas tourism product, whether it was the Ministry of Tourism, working with Bahama or, or Atlantis, basically helping to promote the Bahamas tourism product. And that could be whether it was from public relations and marketing or taking beauty shots of the island and just getting the word out about the Bahamian tourism product. And things were going very well. Um, then the pandemic hit mm. and a lot of things went away for me. And through no fault of their own, the hotels have to make cutbacks. And so rather than cut staff, they're going to cut some outside vendors. And so that was my case, um, you know, since early, mid 2020. And so it's it was a real struggle. Um, but as we'll talk about uh, later on, it's how you deal with these ups and downs um, and, and these struggles that kind of uh, define you or um, make you realize what's important. And um, the pandemic, although it was uh, tough um, financially um, and, and I always say to people, I didn't have a very profitable pandemic, but I had a very productive uh, pandemic. So yeah. we can talk about that uh, soon if you want. But in terms of how I'm feeling today, I'm feeling very excited about the future, more so than I have in a little while. And as you can see, I'm not a young guy. So to have uh, to have this kind of upswing um, after, you know, some some real down times, it, it's uh, it's a, it's a good feeling. So uh, thank you for checking in with me. I feel I feel very I feel very uh, optimistic. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into, let's get into how, how you came to be you then. How, mm -hmm. how, who is, who is Kevin Taylor? I guess, I guess let's, let's start with the, how did you come to be where you are now? My guests may not realize because you have an incredibly beautiful autumn background there, mm -hmm. but yes. you Kevin is actually coming from the other side of the island to me. So Kevin's mm -hmm. also in the Bahamas, um, but he's on the east side and I'm on the west side. And um, how did you how did you come to be in the Bahamas? What's can you tell us a little bit about your your pre your earlier life? Because you're still sure. looking pretty young to me, Kevin. I, I, we're not we're not saying anything <laughs> about you being old. That's little, for sure. A little grayer than I used to be, but um, so. Um, I was born and raised in Canada. I was uh, um, born in Northern Ontario, Kirkland Lake, for anybody out there who knows about Northern Ontario. My dad was a police officer with the Ontario Provincial Police. So I moved around a lot as a little guy. Uh, and I really didn't have a friend until I was like five years old. I had a little brother who was two years younger than me and then a little sister who was six years younger than me. But as a little kid, I didn't really have uh, many friends. So I was forced to create kind of my own fun. And we moved around a lot, as I said, but we kind of settled in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, um, where I lived until I was 12. Then my dad uh, got a new job with uh, a different ministry and became part of the fire marshal's office. And so his his uh, job took him down to the Toronto area, the GTA. And we lived just north of Toronto, where I was uh, 
from my teens until uh, I moved down here. And how I moved down here was in school in Toronto. I lived with uh, um, one of my best friends from uh, from high school and growing up. We played baseball together. He won a trip for two to the Bahamas. He was a telemarketer, and it's a telemarketer back in the days, whereas you know guys would phone you up at home, and I, I yeah. suppose they still do, but uh, and sell you packages for a phone company. So he was in the top whatever percentile of sales and won a trip for two to the Bahamas, and he asked me to go with him because his girlfriend happened to be going away at the same time um, as this trip was. So I came in one day. He said. Uh, Hey, Kev, would you like to go to the Bahamas? And I said, yes, I would. <laughs> so, so we, uh, we came down on an all expense trip to the Bahamas to breezes, which is, you know, out West here uh, on cable beach. Yeah. And while at breezes, I be befriended a young Bahamian girl and we stayed in touch when I moved back to Canada. And this is when to stay in touch with someone, you had to put pen to paper. <laughs> no way. Write them a letter. Wow. <laughs> so, and there was no Facebook. There was no, no cell phones. No. You had to put pen to paper to write them or call them on the phone, which became pretty cost prohibitive back then. So I uh, uh, she came. Uh, I came down for another visit. She came up to visit me. We got engaged. Oh, my and goodness. And then I ended up moving down uh, in September of 96. Uh, we were married in April of 97. So shortly after a year of meeting her, um, we were married, and now, twenty-five years later, three boys. Uh, two are in university. One just finished with his master's, and uh, and we have and one at University of Toronto. And I have a nine-year-old. And as a fifty-year-old man, I'm just kind of feel I'm finally gaining steam uh, to do to pursue what I want to do, and that's uh, filmmaking and chasing. Uh, being creative and chasing my dreams yeah. and and uh, you know when you when you raise a family uh, and you have uh, other obligations other than to yourself you kind of put your dreams aside and and uh, you think well maybe maybe you maybe I'm I'm not supposed to do that or maybe it's going to just stay a dream but uh, because of the pandemic it really forced me to focus on well what what do you want you know your life could end tomorrow. What is it mm. that you want to do? And, uh, you know, luckily I had, um, um, I was sort of quasi adjacent to film work because I'd done a lot of editing. I'm an ed editor and cameraman by trade. So I did have a bit of a background. So my chops were always really good, but it was kind of being the creative and telling the stories I wanted to, to to tell mm -hmm. rather than propaganda for a hotel or for a, yeah. a destination. Yeah. So that kind of started um, the journey. So um, it's, okay. it's been a long and winding road for sure. Oh my goodness. Well, I've got to go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I got to go back into this story because so you're telling me that you just so happened to get invited on this trip by your telemarketer friend, which is where yeah. then you met your future wife. Correct. That's oh my right. goodness! So was little, he <laughs> little decisions, and you know, my friend, uh, his name is Tim. Tim and I have been friends since we were fourteen years old. And there's little choices you make, yeah, in your life that spin your life in a totally different direction. Because we met through baseball, 
And one day he didn't have a ride home. So me and my dad offered him a ride home. And we've been friends, uh, you know, oh since goodness. that day, 14 years old. That's what, 34 years now. So these, these little choices and chances and yeses, yeah. just to say yes to something will spin your life into a totally di different direction. Now, coincidentally, I used to walk to school um, with uh, a young lady in my neighborhood. We used to walk to high school together that is now Tim's wife. So I introduced them. So it's uh, it's so you, all a uh, you made up this, for it. You made up for it. He serendipitous he, things. Yeah. Oh, he introduced you to your wife basically, and you introduced yep. him to his. I love that. You've given me you've given me God bumps already from mm -hmm. your yeah. <laughs> from your and story. We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about Tim a little later on because Tim actually plays a big part in the in the. No, in the film here that we'll yeah. talk about a little later. So, so uh, yeah, it's it's these little friendships and connections oh you make with people, no matter how small you think yeah. they might be. Um, I you think that's why know. it's important that I'm not a jerk all the time. Just <laughs> you, you never know uh, when someone can help you or when you can help someone else. That's right. Oh my goodness! Now, was he your best man? Uh, Tim couldn't make my wedding, but he would have been. Yes. Oh, yeah. well, my um, brother was my best man, but yes. he definitely would have been yeah. in my, in my wedding party, but he couldn't make it down to the Bahamas that time. Wow. But he's been, he's been a couple of times since. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is just the best story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And his girlfriend at the time just happened to not be able to make the trip. It is. It's synchronicity. It's yeah. just magic, isn't it? And, <gasps> and it was, and it was, and it was, and it was, uh, uh, just a, a stroke of fate that I ended up, you know, living with him down in in Toronto too when he was at school. So there's, you yeah. know, all kinds of all kinds of different uh, twists and turns that'll send your life spinning in a in a totally different direction. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Mm. That's uh, I we'll, love it. A little later, when we talk about a future project, that then I have a, a story that will blow your mind about how when you're when you're on your authentic path, I think the world will conspire to help you. Yeah. When you're taking your, when you're on your true, your true path, you can actually bend the will of the world yeah. to, to suit your needs. Yeah. I think. I, I have got to agree, Kevin. Okay. So, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you my quick, then my quick story. So I was actually, I, I was thinking, I'm not sure who I, I need some, I'm not sure who I'm going to interview for the podcast next. And I'd, mm. I'd, I'd contacted a few people on Instagram and things had sort of fallen through. And I thought, oh, I'm not really sure, but I, I just, I put it out there and I, I put it out there and I thought, and I, I said to the universe, I really need some new guests. I need some guests for the podcast. Mm -hmm. That weekend, I went to the Exumers. Now, listeners, I just happened to be in, the bu in a bus with Kevin, a movie movie maker, amazing man, a an author of many books, uh, Mrs. Canada, and an Olympic gold medalist who we've already double uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist, double Olympic gold medalist who I've already Crazy. spoken to on the podcast, and mm -hmm. and then and other I met so many other people as well. In every opportunity, I said. I so love your story. Can you please be on mm -hmm. my podcast? <laughs> so, so I am so looking forward to all of the podcasts that are coming up now. And mm -hmm. truly, I do. I believe that you just you put it out there and be yourself, and it comes to you when it's when it, the time's right. So, 
It's important how you put it, when you say you put it out there, you have to put it out there to manifest it. When I'm a, uh, I'm a long distance runner. And when I was at the kind of the bottom of my despair about what I was going to do, you have to realize that you need to tell the universe what it is you want. Mm. And if you don't manifest, or if you don't, if you can't uh, articulate it, what you want, then how, how is the universe going to find you? Right. That's you right. have to be, you have to be somewhere where the muse knows where to find you. Yes. You know, you have to be in that place. So if you're not, if you're not articulating what it is you want, um, whether it's to people mm-hmm. or to the powers that be or fate or serendipity or, 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 or who, who whatever is out there, then how are they going to know what you want? That's right. So when I would go for my long runs, I would, I would say, okay, I want, I want, I want this. I want this. I want this like almost greedily because you have to say what it is you want, right? Yeah. You have to say, you know, this is what I want, not what I need to survive. And, you know, cause, cause that's, that's, you're getting by, but you need to say what it is that you want. And believe me, um, I'm here to tell you that it can, it can, it can happen, but you have to put it out there. You have to, yeah. you have to let the world or the universe uh, manifest it. Yeah. And be specific. You need to be Very. specific. Yeah, you can't just say I want to be rich. No, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You you might rich in what? Rich in <laughs> there's 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 so many different things. Well, I even have little stories of like the fact that I needed a pole to for a pruning saw um, to get the 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 flowers off my date palms here, and. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, I need to go and buy one. And the next day I went on the beach and found a big, long pole that had washed up. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you, with, you ha- you can't never quit before the miracle happens. That's right. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So much to talk about yeah. with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've told us how you came to get to the Bahamas then. Right. Your beautiful wife and children. Now... How did you come to be involved in movie making? Because you've got to tell us as well. Well, I have spent, let me tell you, listeners, I spent this weekend watching some of Kevin's movies. Um, The first one I watched was Last Resort, which he's got in the little picture behind him. If you can't see Mm -hmm. on, if you're just listening on the audio, it's called Last Resort. And when you look it up, I always put in Last Resort 2022. And... I tell you what, I loved this movie. I loved it. I it is, but I'm pre-warning everyone. It is sad. It is sad. So I have so much that I want to talk to you about with this movie. Um, okay. Because Kevin, you wrote it, didn't you? You wrote it, I directed did. it. You're one mm-hmm. of the producers. Um, yeah. Fully involved in this. It is a beautiful, Editor. beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. The, Thank you. The, the quality of the movie even, you know, the cinematography, the acting, mm-hmm. every part of it, I was bawling my eyes out the whole way through. But afterwards, it was, it actually felt so cathartic. I, was, mm-hmm. I felt spent afterwards, but at the same time, it was actually a night. I was watching it a night here where then a storm was coming. And I have a beautiful view across the ocean. And afterwards, I went and I was watching the storm as it was coming in towards us. 
and it just I really felt the beauty of the moment and it made me want to dance and just enjoy life because that for me as well is what this movie does it is a beautiful there's so many beautiful themes in it that about the different ways that people deal with death um there's so many different characters that deal with it differently and mm. I, I just loved it so please tell us about you're so kind wow oh, thank, I, thank I, I really so I really was touched by it and um yeah and I, I actually I told everyone else to go out to dinner I said I'm mm. gonna watch this movie I was already in a bit of a sad mood that day anyway oh maybe, no maybe I was maybe oh, I was no. a little angry I I with everyone no 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 <laughs> it was so it was perfect it was perfect and I said to everyone leave the house go out to dinner mm. I'm watching this movie this is me time and I'm mm. going to be crying so leave <laughs> <laughs> so I loved oh, you're it, very kind that's a great review thank you tell tell us about how you came to come into movie making and and this movie in particular. And I also want to talk about Joseph Spence. I've watched that too, but let's start okay. with Last oh, Resort. Did. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, uh, as I mentioned before, um, I've kind of been film industry adjacent. I've had mm. a production company for a number of years. So I've always been a shooter and editor, but I haven't had a chance to really tell my own stories, although mm. they've always been you know, in the back of my mind, I've always been an avid reader. I got into Stephen King probably when I was way too young. Um, and I've always just l- loved uh, storytelling and, and, and movies. And as a, as a teenager growing up or even before, a couple of my friends every week, no matter what the movie was, we would sit in the front row and look up at the screen and then we'd sneak into another movie. And just that just, you just to be our, our weekends. And, uh, later on in life, I, I, uh, I worked at a drive-in, uh, a drive-in theater <laughs> and I was, and I, uh, you know, just love being part of, of the movies and film, but I never thought of it as a job. Although I, I, I was doing my thing down here. I took broadcasting in, in college radio television. Um, so I've always been interested in the medium the media of the the medium of the media. Um, I never thought of it as necessary that I could be this uh, a creative of person. So I've been slogging along doing my thing of being an editor and shooter. And, and you know, like I said before, my chops are pretty good. I'm a pretty good shooter. And I'm a, I think a, a very good editor. So I was fine doing that. Um, and, but I felt that the more I, watched other people tell their stories or people in my universe that were my age or younger started doing telling their stories it's kind of lit a competitive fire in me and it's you know what i i could do that too there's no reason i can't do that i have i have the skill set i just don't have you know the money yeah um so uh and that became very evident when the pandemic came along and so um i told myself when the pandemic came and, and we were locked down. I said, I need to be creative and I need to be productive. So I started writing and I wrote nine screenplays. I'm on my 11th now since the pandemic started, but I wrote nine screenplays every day. My job was to do six pages. Yeah. I could, I could start at uh, nine in the morning and finish at noon or two or five or seven, but yeah. I wasn't 
done until I'd done six pages. They could six. have been absolute crap. Yeah. Six script pages. Yeah. Oh, but but you were so, writing one script at a time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One at a time. So my son would even know, Daddy, are you done your six pages yet? You know, can you play <laughs> ping pong or whatever? Yeah. And I was, I, it was, I, that was my job, six pages a day. And that adds up. Yeah. You know, if a, if a script is 100 pages, 110 pages, that can add up, you know, that can add up pretty, pretty quickly. So I, I, I wrote and I got, uh, you know, a little better. And then um, I said, well, now what do I do? I have these scripts, you know, and one is an action movie. One is a horror movie. One is drama. One is a bio, three are biopics. But how, you know, it's fine to have them, but it's not. It's not art. It's not art unless you ship it, right? Mm. So how are we going to get people to see this? So um, I went on Facebook and put it out there. Well, I had to decide on what movie I was going to do first. So I wrote this movie, Last Resort, that takes place in basically one location with only a few characters uh, and mostly two people in rooms, um, and just you know, uh, it wasn't any. Uh, no helicopter chases or or car chases or <laughs> explosions or buildings coming down. It was just conversations. So yeah. I said, you know what? This probably won't cost that much money. Let me put it out there that I have this idea. So um, I went on Facebook and said, look, I have this script and I'm looking for a producer to kind of get me to the start line. And a couple of people answered and uh, we went back and forth a little bit. And uh, but there was always the issue of how am I going to find you know, this money. So enter Tim, my same friend again. He said, he, he, uh, he is, um, there's a, there's a video game called golden tea golf. And it's, it's people my age who used to hang out in bars might know it's like a game with a trackball. You play in a bar and you slide this trackball and it's like a video game in a bar yeah. about golf. So Tim was legit. This number two player in the world. In the early 2000s, they used to have a world championship every year in Vegas. Yeah. And he was the number two. And and guys from all over North America would come and play. And Europe would come and play in, at the world championships. And Tim came in second twice. So he was wow. going to make his comeback um, during when COVID the pandemic, 20, 2021, yeah. right? When he was going to make his comeback. And so he was training and everything like that and yeah. to, to make his comeback. But he was like me too. He had kids and a wife and he had to, you know, be the dad and husband for a while. So um, Tim was also a very successful businessman. And I said to Tim, you know, have you ever thought about documenting this journey you're taking? And he said, he said, what do you mean? I said, let's, let's do a documentary about this, about how you're, you're making your comeback oh on this thing. Goodness. And it would introduce us to this quirky world of golden tea golf, because yeah. it is like a, little quirky community of guys that do this game um, and, and girls. Um, so he's like, yeah, let's do that. And he said, well, how much do you think it would cost? I was like, well, you know, this much. And he said, U.S. or Canadian? I said, uh, U.S. So he's like, uh, yeah, okay. So he was going to fund it. Yeah. And he didn't really care if he got the money back. It was just like a fun thing to do. And then the pandemic hit and he didn't want to fly and everything was canceled and this, that. And I said, well, look, Tim, you were going to give me this much money to do this documentary. Why not give me a little less and I can make, I can make this movie and you might get it back. So he said, yeah, okay. 
so handshake agreement, you know, a, a best friend, you know, what, what a great friend. And, and that sent me on my way. Now that we had a little, now that we had producers that were interested and we had a little traction um, with financing, yeah. it's, you know, it wasn't, it, things went together very quickly after that. Cause I put the, I put the message out on Facebook that I was wanted to do this movie. That was in August yeah. of 2021. Wow. We went, we shot, we shot this movie from the November 1st to November 14th of 2021. So it was only a couple of months. We, we yeah. cast everyone, we found the location and we made it happen and on that shoestring budget on uh, 14 days straight um, in our location in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. And what you watched was the end result. Oh my goodness. That did, mm-hmm. that happened so quickly. I can't believe it. Super fast. Yeah, we did. We shot it in 14 days. And I, after we shot it, I forced myself to not watch it for like, I tried to do two weeks. I think I ended up like four days before I started <laughs> editing it because I wanted to get my hands on it. Yeah. Um, because I wanted a little perspective and went a little time away from it. But uh, I was done the edit by beginning of the year, I guess. And then we had to, you know, it goes through its different stages after that. We, we, brought in another editor and I sat with him just to chop it down a little more. Yeah. Um, and then we had to get it colored and scored. And, uh, and um, yeah, that was the first couple months of, of this year. Yeah. And now uh, in the summer, we got picked up by Gravitas Ventures for, as our distributor, our worldwide distributor, except for Canada um, because we wanted to get a Canadian, uh, we wanted to get a Canadian um, distributor for tax purposes, right? And uh, that was so we so we're, we're worldwide on iTunes and Amazon now. Yeah, uh, and I think you watched it on a different platform. I too. watched it on Voodoo. I think it's called Voodoo. Yeah, I think so. It's on a it's on a lot of platforms. I've even seen it in different uh, languages. Um, wow. And as of a few days ago, actually, when I was in Exuma with you, we got word that. Um, we're being picked up by a Canadian producer and hopefully very soon we'll be on, uh, we'll be on uh, video on demand platforms in Canada. Beautiful. So that's, that's kind of the story of, of uh, the technical side and how yeah. you know, a movie gets made, but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of things went right, but it was a, it was a, a pretty yeah. rocky road to still do a movie on such a limited budget, limited time with a, a cast, a cast that was amazing, but aren't, household names either no but you know that like I know that but I'm terrible with names anyway and I'm like I know their mm. faces like the um the 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 nurse that's sort of cranky I know mm. her face nurse cutting yeah Finger. yeah yeah, yeah. Her, that's, that's Kristen McCullough she's been in a, she's been in quite a few uh movies in terms of her visibility she's probably been in the most uh most uh productions of our yeah. of most of our cast yeah right and and the um um the main the redhead wife she looked familiar too to me mm. that's so... another Kristen we had two Kristens we had our <laughs> quorum of Kristens for this movie yeah <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, Chris, yeah that's yeah, Kristen yeah. De Silva who's, yes. a, who's a very talented writer and playwright in her own oh, um okay. in her in her own uh, world and she's uh she's uh you know she was uh not only a great actress but also a great um, person to bounce ideas off as a, yeah. a fellow writer um, and kind of, uh, you know, 
these, I was the least experienced person on set. Let me put it to you that way. I was the oldest person on set, but I was also the least (laughs) experienced um, and trying to guide this ship. But I learned, you know, I learned a lot and, you know, it it wasn't, I didn't, I never felt like it was a fake until you make a situation. I just like, okay, I'm here. This is what I wanted. This is your shot. And, you know, let's, let's do this. And I, I fell in love with your main characters there as well. So I I absolutely love them. Nick Smith, uh, um, for for those of you who 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 might be listening to us or watching us in Canada, Nick Smith was um, the Seven Eleven guy for quite a few years. He did a, a string of commercials for Seven Eleven <laughs> convenience stores, uh, and uh, so he was. And, and he's also done a lot of horror movies and and some dramas and some Lifetime and, and things like yes, that. Yes. Lifetime Hallmark movies and L.A. Sweet L.A. Sweeney. She's my so producer Brian Cantero found her on like Instagram and had been trying to find her for a little while, but she had had twins five months before we shot, so she kind of was off the radar. So she had just had twins. You're kidding! So she and she looks amazing. She, you know what? She came to us. We saw her audition, and it was just like that's her. That's it. It was yeah. just you know we a lot other person we saw we saw a lot of auditions for that 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 as soon as we saw la it was like there's no one else because it's her and yeah she had the jamaican yes. accent too because as you know um the uh the the actress who plays um the lead i'm sorry what was her name again i'm blanking on her name robin robin i'm sorry i should know this right robin <laughs> uh robin ha- is of J- jamaican descent yes and la is canadian yeah. And and wasn't sure how to do the accent. And she asked her dad, who's Irish, how do I do this Jamaican accent? And she said, and his dad, her, sorry, her father said, just be your mom, who's Jamaican. And she did a Jamaican <laughs> accent. Yeah. But she came, basically with, with LA, she came to us and it, she, a fully formed movie star that hadn't been in anything. You know, wow. she has a, she, she's. Uh, this is her debut. This is her debut, right? And she's wow. going to be in some other things coming up. But uh, just she is beautiful. amazing. I was very blessed to yeah. have uh, have uh, have all my cast. They they yes. were they were great. Yeah, yeah. And I had a t- very talented uh, uh, technical team uh, led by Caleb Laidman, who's 19 years old. My camp, my director of photography, about <laughs> this movie, and <laughs> he, all his friends were the crew. Oh my goodness! And, and they, but they all knew exactly what uh, what to do. It was like Caleb is like a sixty year old veteran cinematographer in a nineteen year old body. Wow! So he knew uh, all the technical jargon. I need this kind of light here. I need that here. Turn the camera here, and we would discuss the shots, and and him and the crew would just get to it, and oh my, and goodness. then we would do it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was very very fortunate to have the team I had for this movie, and that's yeah. how. That's kind of how. Um, that's why I attribute it to its um, success and being out there. Now to, it's to be determined how successful the movie will be and whether or not we're going to, you know, uh, make our money back. But if we keep getting more and more views, at least it's out there. Right. That's right. And, uh, that's right. So, so we're pretty excited about that. Well, and I know you've said that during the pandemic, you were writing, and how did you come up with the idea for this? And how did you not sit there or did you sit there crying every day that you were writing this? <laughs> well, no, I, I actually would be happy because, okay, I did my six pages. I can move <laughs> on. I can, I can start the rest of my day. 
um, when I have had to, uh, well, perhaps it would be helpful to give your audience uh, a log line of what the, the movie's about. Just, yeah, just so yes. they know what although it's about. I, so, I know, although I don't want to tell them too much. But yes, well, you can tell them. You can tell them the, the little bit. <laughs> maybe we could put a link to the trailer down below when we're done our, our show today. Definitely. But basically, it's the story of two hospice residents who conspire to make their spouses fall in love with each other um, to lessen the impact of their death. And now things don't, go awry. Yes. And don't you tell things, I'm not going to tell the end part, but things okay. go awry when they themselves fall in love. And one of them begins to feel better. So I guess basically I've had um, a couple of three three grandparents go through palliative care or hospice uh, care in the past, you know, uh, in the past 10 years or so. So um, I always thought when you go into uh, hospice care and you basically decide that I'm, I'm not going to fight anymore, I'm going to let, um, I'm going to pass without any medical intervention it it can't be an easy decision to make now what if you're in one of these places and you fall in love or or, or make a friendship at, at the end of your life that that changes your life how would your husband react to that how would your uh wife react to that it, to for you to essentially develop feelings and, and love and friendship um, with someone else and with someone else in hospice care as your lives are ending mm. so when I kind of posed that question to myself I said you know what maybe we make it to younger people rather than you know um, you know old people that, at the end of life what if we made it to people more in the prime of their lives they're dying you know um, how does it feel to fall in love and have all the same emotional mm -hmm. uh uh, triggers that love uh, gives to people that euphoria that that uh, that joie de vivre how does that can that make one feel better mm. can that cure someone so these are all questions and if you and if you were being cured well how would your husband feel mm. how would how would the wife feel if about you having this connection with another person so these are the questions i asked myself as that as i went into into writing it so I didn't actually write a lot of drafts it's pretty much what I wrote is pretty much on the screen except for what we changed um on set I would yeah. say okay let's 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 say this instead or yeah. let's do this instead but that's where the art happens right that's the art of it all like the you tell the story three times they say when you do a movie you write it you tell it once there production when you shoot it you tell it there and then in editing you tell you tell it a third time so right. I was lucky enough to be the guy Part that was able to tell it. the story three times. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you imagined it very well in my mind. <laughs> Thank you. You really did. You really did. So everyone figure out a way to watch this movie. So I may have had to use a bit of a method to get there, but anyone can message As long me. as I got my four bucks. <laughs> I definitely paid for it. All right. <laughs> Yeah, in in the right now, uh, well, I can say with it, since we're in the Bahamas right now, mm -hmm. um, and and any Bahamians or or Bahamian residents that might be listening, you can you can watch the movie um, on iTunes and Amazon and a few other uh, platforms, but you'll have to use your VPN because it's currently not available um, outside of North America at the moment. But yes. we just, as I said, we've had uh, U.S. 
it was released on October the 25th. So just about a month now. Um, and uh, so it, it was out in the US and now we have Canadian distribution um, and it will be out soon on one of the, the Canadian platforms. Um, so stay tuned, stay tuned for that. But in the Bahamas right now, for all my friends and family in the Bahamas, you'll have to watch it uh, via a VPN. Yes. Well, and, and I, our Australian, well, we, we have listeners from all around the world, but definitely our um, Australian listeners. And I guess anyone, it, that's, that's what I had to do as well. I had to use my VPN right. and then, but then, cause we ha- I have an Australian credit card and stuff, you know, you have to just mm. do other stuff, but no, um, there are plenty of platforms to find it on and you can definitely do it. And it is so worthwhile watching. Well, um, thank you. You're, you're a great critic. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your kind words. Well, then, then I was inspired to because Kevin's not just a one trick pony here. Um, then I was inspired to watch something completely different from you. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were away, Kevin had mentioned that he'd done a documentary on Joseph Spence, and as I think, as I'm sure you are very used to people saying especially in the Bahamas because that's part of what the documentary is about um I said I don't know who who Joseph Spence is and Mm -hmm. I nor do most people this is it this is it and Mm -hmm. and I was so it's called Joseph Spence the virtuoso from small hope have I got that correct that's correct and I was able to watch it on YouTube and I absolutely, I I loved it as well. Mm. I loved it because I just thought, oh my gosh, how do I not know about this man? And after I watched it, I looked up Joseph Spence on my iTunes and I've been listening to him ever since. One of my favorites. Isn't it happy music? Doesn't it it make you feel happy? It is so good. One of my favorite songs is, and it's so weird because I I don't even understand what it means, but the Mm. um, Come Run See. Come, mm-hmm. come run see, I think, Jerusalem. Yeah. And I'm like, come run see Jerusalem. That's right. Yes. And yeah. I'm going, I don't even know what this is about, but it just, it made me, it just, I love it. I love it. And I couldn't, I can't get it out of my head. So I was listening to him all day yesterday. He is, tell us a bit about Joseph. He's like one of the best guitarists in the world or was one of the best known guitar, best guitarists in the world. Yeah. In, in folk circles, um, uh, a lot of people will still say Joseph Spence is the, one of the greatest folk guitarists that the world had ever seen in terms mm-hmm. of not just his uh, his uh, musicality and how he sounded, but also technically how he played was so challenging that that people all over the world still go on and try to figure out his technique on um on YouTube and, and, you know, a few get it, but if you don't, it's almost like learning a different language as a, as a guitar player. Yeah. Um, so, so Joseph Spence um, passed away in 1980, but through the sixties and seventies, and I guess even the fifties, really, he, um, he kind of developed his own style of playing guitar and he's from Andros Island, one of the islands of the Bahamas. And basically he wasn't discovered until he was in his forties. And these people um, from the Smithsonian Institute were traveling the islands, traveling the Caribbean basically with their old tape recorder and their big old boom microphones. And were trying to capture the sounds of the islands. And they happened to come upon 
this little town in Andros and they were walking past a construction site and they'd come through the mud and everything and and there were no roads then and they heard what sounded like three guys jamming on guitar and they turned the corner and they thought it was one man playing all the parts on his guitar and Joseph Spence was recorded then uh, by the Smithsonian and they they released uh, his his music. Now, I should say that Joseph didn't create his own his own songs. He put it, his own spin on popular hymns and gospel recordings and and uh, right. or gospel songs and basically de- developed his technique over these these traditional gospel songs. And of course, um, when they were recorded and released, it kind of caught fire and he was invited to come and play concerts at folk festivals in the u.s and everything like that but he always stayed kind of the same humble guy he always Mm. was so he's a really great story of course this is before there would have been any kind of uh you know uh instagram or anything like that that would have boosted his popularity so it's basically uh word of mouth about spence uh spread and uh as you can see in the movie we interviewed people all over the world including Mm. a guy in japan that basically dresses like Spence and (laughs) has, you know, and even though he's playing traditional uh, Japanese music, he always starts with that same Spence beginning in a lot of his songs. So it's just amazing to me that how, how, how his music and his, uh, his uh, legend has spread around the world, but he's surprisingly not that well known in the Bahamas outside of maybe a, uh, a musical community or his family, really. Yeah, yeah. He was much better known outside of the Bahamas than in the Bahamas. So we, uh, we, I say uh, myself and Fred Ferguson, who was the host and producer of the piece and a musician, uh, a, 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 a virtuoso on guitar himself. Uh, we traveled to Andros to interview people and we traveled around uh, new Providence and talked to, you know, anyone, his family and, and uh, people he influenced and, and uh, old timers that recognize him, that, that knew him back in the day and, and, uh, and knew of his goings on and kind of told the story the best we could mm. um, about this, about this man who'd never been on videotape, yeah. um, you know, uh, the best we could about this, this uh, legendary Bahamian uh, performer. And, and that's the thing about the Bahamas. I said, we got him on videotape. There's so, there's so, little known about our history here um, in the Bahamas and, and the people that really kind of uh, made a difference uh, back in the day. So, you know, although we did a 44 minute documentary, it, it is what it is. It's a nice little story. That is the most comprehensive piece on Joseph Spence that there is in existence. Wow. Right. Yeah. And this is a man who this, the um, Carnegie Hall called him yes. to play. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. He story. didn't have a phone, so Carnegie Hall phoned the the school that's in front of his house and got a little kid to go through the backyard of the school and knock on Joseph Spence's door and said, "the the Carnegie Hall is call- no." They said, "Do you have a phone call, Mr. Spence?" And Spence said right away, "That's Carnegie Hall. Nah, I I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Carnegie Hall. Thanks." So the kid had to go back and tell <laughs> Carnegie Hall. I love that, that Joseph story. Spence was not interested in coming to play up in <laughs> Carnegie Hall. 
So, you know, how? who knows had he played any of those shows, how That's far right. his legend may have, have traveled. Right. But so in a way, that kind of adds to his legend even more that he was such mm-hmm. a, a humble, mm-hmm. humble guy. And, you know, although he's never going to get the the recognition of a of a B.B. King or uh, Albert King or or any of these uh, um, guitarists that kind of came up um as contemporaries of spence mm-hmm. um he is he is uh he's he is uh just as um technically proficient and uh musically a, a genius as yeah. as these other guys are as as a few guys uh, uh indicated in the film yeah yeah well you know one of the things that which sort of brings me into my next section as well because One of the things that really touched me and that I loved from that documentary as well was, I forget who says it, but someone says, Joseph realised he was happy with just having enough. Yes. He was happy with enough. And. And it was interesting because I think I think the person who said it might have actually even been a family member who you could mm-hmm. I don't know I said yes. I got the sense that that family member was a bit like you know I wish he wanted more you know I, yes. yeah. they sort of wanted him to have more but they right. realized that he was happy with enough and yeah. I just thought how isn't that the key to life you know there's yeah. there's it's having these goals and aspirations are fabulous to but to be happy with where you're at as well right. is just magic well um, let's say he had sold a billion records um he would still just want to have a, a right. beer and some fish at the end of the day and play guitar right. which is what he ended up doing anyway right that's he entertained right. friends and family and and that kept him happy and maybe there's a lesson for that in, in right. all of us you know that's you know, right he was uh he definitely had a gift and he loved sharing his gift. Yeah. And for him, that was enough. That's right. Whether it was playing at a church or at a bar or for tourists down at the dock. That's right. He was playing and that made him happy. Yeah. So I they, we should all be so lucky, right? That's right. That's right. So this is the podcast is called Voices to Dream. We're about sharing our voices and our wisdom, but we're mm-hmm. also about dreaming. And I always like to think that. I mean, that's how hope, that's how we get hope in life, you know, by through our dreams and through dreaming big. So Mm -hmm. this is where I always, uh, this is where I ask my guests, Kevin, if you had all the power and all the money in the world, well, (laughs) but it's how would, what, what would your, how would you dream big? What would your dream be to make this world a better place? What would you do? I would probably. I would probably try to give most of it away. This is a different answer than I would have had, you know, 20, 25 years ago, for sure. Yeah. But as I, as I've aged and you realize, you know, I, and I think the pandemic, I think the pandemic, Suzanne, has a, has not had the full effect on us that we think it has. I mm-hmm. think there's some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some mental things that we're all going through. And I think the pandemic for me anyway, really focus me on what's important and and I hope it do, I hope it did for a lot of people too but it really made me focus on what's important and what can I control and what can I uh how can I make the world um a better place what's in my power to do mm-hmm. so I mean 
I don't know what I would do with all the money in the world. I would probably give most of it away. I hate seeing people that are hungry. I hate seeing, you know, homeless people or people that struggle with um, addiction who are, or, or, or mental uh, maladies that are only one pill away from not being out there yelling at traffic, you know, mm. I, I wish those people could get, uh, uh, you know, the help they need. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I would do to, to make the world a better place. Then you say, well, I have all this money. I give it to this country of these people. Then you wonder about whether it's going to the right, um, right. To the right people. But I suppose I would start some kind of charity, you know, in, in my, um, I, I enjoy the, the, philanthropy that uh, Jeff Todd and I created in Exuma with the run for Pompeii. Um, and it's very rewarding to me to, to give back. And I think as I age, I think, you know, that's more important to me is, is not, it's not necessarily giving back, but it's, it's, it's help, it's helping and, and uh, trying to make people uh, happy. That's to me, that brings me uh, a lot of happiness. And I've, I said this about the movie. It's great. And I have a, I have a great problem that um, the movie the last resort is on iTunes and Amazon and available all over North America, but I haven't watched it with anybody yet. I haven't got into any film festivals. So it's a great problem to have because you go to these film festivals. So someone will pick up your movie and, and distribute it. So I have a, a great uh, problem, but I've never sat with an audience to, you know, to watch how they react to these emotional gifts that I'm trying to offer them. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess um, to answer your question, it, it's not, it's not easy. And I tried to give it some thought when you sent me the, the questions early. It's I, I just, I guess I would, I, I for sure would give it away. I would want to make sure that my, my, my kids are taken care of and everything like that, but I'm sure I would give it away or have some kind of, of charity to organize and, and, and identify, um, you know, worthy causes and things like that. I don't know. Money, money is, is important, um, of course, to to survive and live. But I, I think it's only uh, a way to keep score, you know. But the, the real pleasure is is the is the the journey, right? Not the destination. Yeah. So I, I don't. I know that wasn't a great answer. Oh no! It's... <laughs> I, I I really don't know it. It's, it's, it's like, saying, what would you do if you could fly or what That's would you right. do if, you know, if you could breathe underwater or something like that, just, it would just, it's just this magical uh, thing. But I would do whatever I could to make the world uh, a better place and make people uh, feel better. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that um, because of the pandemic, that, that addiction is, uh, addiction probably um, went up a little bit. And that was, a uh, you know, I've been sober for, uh, nine years now. And I, so it's, it's a problem that, that I identify with. And I know addiction is a, uh, uh, for me with alcohol, but you know, addiction can get its hooks into you like anybody. And, yeah. uh, people need to know that they're, they're not alone. And mm -hmm. when you ask for help, um, like how we said before, man, it'll manifest, but you have to put it out there. Um, shame can't live in the light. So when you, when you're able to, uh, uh, be vulnerable and communicate about, about your shortcomings. Um, you know, people realize that uh, people will 
people will come forward and you realize you're not alone, but it's making that first sort of uh, um, call for help um, that, that is the, is the hardest thing to do. But uh, if you are able to do that, then uh, the world will kind of open up for you. Mm. And I think we had talked about um, it earlier. Um, I'm not sure if it was before we started word, uh, rolling, but I, I said, if you're on your authentic path, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're on your authentic path, the world, the universe will conspire to help you. You can bend the entire world to, to what you're, what you want to do if you're leading your um, authentic life. Yeah. You're the movie director of your own life, aren't you? You can you control are. everything. Everybody around us is a, is an actor and a set, right? So you, you're the director of your own life. So you have to take control of it. You are. Oh, no, Kevin, I think that was a beautiful answer. And, and I, I have to say that I actually think that, well, personally, I, I again, I think that you're doing it already in things like, like in last resort in the movie, mm-hmm. that character that Robin plays, um, personally, I feel like she, I mean, she's the person that I, I try to be, you know, in life mm-hmm. and, yes. and, and to show people that no matter what your circumstances are, that if you're able to, you know, simple pleasures, as she keeps saying in the movie, yeah. simple yeah. pleasures, gratitude, finding the joy, um, and, and not giving up. I mean, so for me, I, I actually feel like you are, you're, you're sharing your message and sharing that through your art as well. So I think that's beautiful. But I, I, I really like that you said about gratitude because it's something I, I tell myself, um, you know, all the time is to be, is to live in gratitude and try to be grateful for, for what I, what, what I have, you know, I don't have a, a ton but what I do have, I'm realizing now after the pandemic that, man, you, you, you need to really focus on what's important to, you know, to you and, yes. and, and hold those things tight because it can be, you know, it can be over quickly. And as, as we know, in the Bahamas, it, the pandemic took its toll. And of course, worldwide, you know, millions of people, um, we've lost millions of people, but mm. you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's, hopefully it will it will hopefully we don't go back to where we were now the things we can do to i mean i got off twitter recently and it wasn't because of the elon musk thing it was just because every day it became this doom scroll what Mm -hmm. are the republicans doing today what are these you know idiots these what's russia doing today you know things i have no control over but we're just making me sad especially to start your day you roll out of bed and you start scrolling on your phone well, that wasn't all it was doing was making me angry before I even started my day. You know, I was starting to stay on a negative note. Oh, Trump is doing this again, or 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 Putin is doing this, or or whatever. It's just or gun violence or whatever. I can't control any of that. You know, I can only be great grateful in my world and try to make the people around me happy. And mm-hmm. and and if I'm doing it via a film or via interactions with people or meeting people like you in Exuma, that's, that's, uh, that's what I try to do now. Yeah. Well, that, I feel like you just answered my next question before I even asked it as well. Cause I, mm. I, I was going to say, you know, we normally, I normally look at this big picture of how we could save the world, but then try and bring it down to what you could do 
yes. what can we all do in our day to day? What can what yeah. advice would you give to people on how they can make not only their own life, but the lives of those in their the world that they can touch a better place mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's just that expressing gratitude and and uh, you know making people feel important when you when when they talk to you and you know I I'm I'm a busy person I'm guilty as anybody else but it's check in with friends check in like how you said about how how you checked in with me when we started this podcast you know check in with your friends and and see how they're doing and uh because we we need each other and working from home is great and people Mm. you know love that and if you're able to be productive that's wonderful but we need interaction and i think that's why when they put you in prison the worst thing they can do to you is solitary confinement isn't it yeah that's right but we need uh people the pandemic basically killed one of my grandmothers because she was we finally convinced her to go into a um a retirement community yeah you know she was in her early 90s still living on her own and everything like that but she would forget things and she would fall so we thought okay my mom and dad finally talked her into moving into a retirement community and she loved it for two months and then the pandemic came and then she was locked in a room she might as well have been in jail and that messes with your mind and and that was the beginning of it and then it was she was fine until she wasn't and then that was it and 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 you go through those stages of her not you know not knowing who you are and you know things like that and she's sitting uh, me and my brother were talking to her and she said you two could be brothers you know you look <laughs> a lot alike <laughs> so you know it and so you you just uh um sympathize what she must have been going through and any, anybody else who who had to go uh through a mother's day by putting their hand on the glass and saying mm. hi to their mother's tree you know it's just you know that's not how we're no, that's not how we're made up. That's not the stuff we're made out of. You yeah. know, we need each other. We got to touch and yeah. feel and smell and taste and 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 enjoy while we can. Yeah. Oh no, that's I I completely agree. Um, yeah. I have I there's so many things we've touched on that I'd love to go back and talk about, but I know we're running out sure. of time. I want. To- I got all day. <laughs> I never. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. My listeners might be like, okay. <laughs> I haven't got three hours for this one, Suzanne. <laughs> I might need to. I might need to come back to you at another time, Kevin, with your with, next next movie, with your next yeah. movie, which I have to tell you, I have already ordered the book for. So, oh, have you? Yeah, I'm going to New York. In actually, I'm going to New York tomorrow. <laughs> Michael Palin's yeah. Hemingway's chair. If you can't, you, right. our audio can't see that, but I'm so oh. excited. And see, he signed it for me. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, so Kev- uh, Kevin's yeah, going to be making a movie up. movie out of this one. I am so thrilled. <laughs> that's serendipity too. That's I, I that's know. Uh, what do they say? Luck is where preparation and opportunity meet, right? Oh my so, god! That that is so, such a good story. That that is such a good story. Do you have for that time for this well. story? Well, I'm thinking: do we tell that story now, or do we tell that story when I interview you for that movie? about that movie yeah we can't okay but but uh yeah so that's what's coming up i'm going to be working with michael palin sir michael palin uh comedic legend love him uh, documentary maker python filmmaker environmentalist world traveler uh author um 
So uh, Sir Michael and I uh, are collaborating and I'm writing the screenplay right now. So right now writing is my full-time job again, but this time I'm being paid. So, <laughs> so that's a good thing. <laughs> so that's, that's going to be coming up. Oh my goodness. I love it. I so cannot wait. I, I know truly am. I've ordered it. I'm going to be picking it up from New York and bringing it back. And it's in my, I have ordered, I think about my husband's got a bit mad at me. I've ordered about 12 different books because their mm. books are hard to find in the Bahamas. But anyway, right. Um, now, Kevin, how do our listeners stay in touch with you? Can we, can, how can they find you anywhere? Have you got a website, Instagram, Facebook? Um, what, how do you? They, yeah, I have uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm not on it a ton, but basically it's I'm Kevin Taylor. Mm -hmm. on instagram like i letter i letter m kevin taylor i'll, I'll put it up instagram. down the bottom here but yes and yeah. it'll be on the bio part at the end but okay yeah. i'm kevin taylor on instagram instagram uh i'm on facebook um and i got my youtube page uh, that has where you watched uh, joe suspense and a couple of other of my projects i'm i should be more active on social than i really am but as i said when i got on twitter i just i just uh it got to be a little uh, it got to be a little too much for me and it wasn't, it wasn't conducive to being a creative mm -hmm. uh, and happy person uh, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I will put those up. And I also, um, again, there's so many things, but I also wanted to quickly mention that mm -hmm. Kevin mentioned it really quickly already, but you're one of the organizers of the run for Pompeii. And yeah. with that, it's it's raising money. Can you explain what it's raising money for? It's a Yeah, so uh, um, we ha just had our um, eighth year of uh, Run for Pompeii um, a couple of weeks ago in Exuma, Bahamas. And that was an event that, uh, that I proposed to uh, Jeff Todd, who is one of the uh, executives with um, Grand Isle Villas in uh, Exuma. And I proposed a her uh, charity uh, run, and uh, I didn't really think that was going to happen. But then Jeff called me a couple of months later, and we started putting the pieces together to have a, a charity run on the island of Exuma called the Run for Pompeii. Pompeii was an escaped uh, slave um, from the island of Exuma who was going to petition the governor to stop the uh, the um, slave owners from transferring uh the enslaved around the islands and splitting up families and so mm. um pompey commandeered a boat and set off for new providence from exuma now although he was captured um the story of his um the story of his uh plight of his uh mission got out and the governor changed his mind and things remained you know the way they were in terms but it was also um right at the beginning of emancipation too so you could say that pompey was one of the first uh bahamian heroes um in in exuma so we pay tribute to uh, the the pompey every year that was run for pompey and uh we raise funds to send uh, a kid away to school every year we work with the exuma foundation who identify a uh, a student for us and it's not necessarily a student with the best grades. Um, sometimes it's a student that's managed to overcome or to uh, leap beyond his or her um, um, circumstances. And so those are the people we look for in the in the true spirit of Pompeii. And uh, I guess since we're in our eighth year now, 
that means uh, we have three graduates from uh, university or college, uh, whether it's at uh, the University of the Bahamas or abroad, because we've sent a number of students off to Canada also to school. So we're uh, really happy that uh, that a little idea that Jeff and I had when we were sitting at the, the restaurant um, at Grand Isle Villas in Exuma, that little idea has uh, has uh, grown into a, what we think is an iconic event on the Bahamian sports calendar now, and especially in Exuma. Definitely. So, and you saw this year what a great uh, turnout we had, and we had uh, Pauline Davis Thompson was uh, was our patron again, who's been with us from the very very start, and we had Mrs. Canada come down from Ottawa. And those two ladies were able to go and talk to students in Exuma and really spread the message about um, no matter where you've come from, that's not your story. You know, you, you're the author of your own story. And especially uh, Mrs. Canada, mm. who came from Rwanda at the height of the genocide and was uh, was uh, an, a... Uh, um was, was put into yeah. a refugee camp in in uh in africa before she was able to escape she said she'd lost everyone she knew yeah everyone died around yeah. her this is a four-year-old child a four-year-old little girl two dresses she said she had yeah it's all she had in her whole um existence so yeah. i mean if you can come back from that to be uh, a woman executive now and she's running a charity of her own and is a business owner. I, I mean, know. if you can come back from that, what excuse do any of us have That's to not right. be able to do the same? You know, it, That's you know right. if you've lost everyone around you being um, hacked to death at the oh. height of the genocide um, in Rwanda. And of course, Pauline Davis, uh, who calls herself a barefoot girl from Baintown, um, rose up out of the uh the inner city of um of nassau with a gift and uh she could run fast of course and that's wonderful but it takes is she's one of those things where it takes a village because without coaching mm -hmm. without discipline and without um you know believing in yourself um there's lots of talented runners out there that's right but she was able to you know put everything together to uh, not only uh, to, to not only get out of the Bahamas and uh, on a full athletic scholarship, she became the junior. What was she? Junior gold medals or the or the highest ranked sprinter yeah. in the United States, and yeah. then on to become uh, an Olympian from 1984. This 1984, the Carl Lewis Olympics um, in Los Angeles. She ran in those Olympics. And then yeah. um, built up, won a gold medal in 2000, and, and with her with the Golden Girls, and of course, during the whole Marion Jones uh, saga, was eventually uh, awarded her second gold medal. And That's so, it. just an amazing story, and we're so happy to have her as our patron. And yeah, and uh, the event grows from strength to strength every year. So we're very thankful. Yes. So and so definitely any. Any visitors who want to come at that time of the year? So it's usually held in mm. November. Anyone from the Bahamas come. It is the most beautiful weekend. And yeah. 
you get you get the most amazing medal I've ever received. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great run. medal. It has and a little swimming pig on it. That's right. It is so cool. Yeah. And, and um, where else in the Bahamas can you go to finish a race and be awarded a medal by a gold medal by a two-time two gold, gold medal? I know. The, in the Olympics, she seriously right? world champion of gold medal. Seriously puts it around every single neck as they come through the the, the finish line. So um yeah. and and I was luckily lucky enough to have Kevin there on the microphone. I was so dead to the world. I only did 10Ks, but that was a lot for me because I've been doing yeah, that's great. more more than more doing sprint training. And as I came down there, I could hear Kevin yelling out saying, and here comes Suzanne from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I ran through and fell into Pauline's arms as she put it around me. So I felt so yeah. blessed. So it's a I, nice feeling for sure. It's, it really is. And you've just done the best advertisement for my podcast as well. So I'm going to be having Solange, Mrs. Canada coming up. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you want to hear more about that, her story, it really is such an incredible story. Yeah. Um, then that's going to be in an upcoming podcast. And you can go back and listen to more about Pauline Davis as well. She's in one of our previous podcasts because she's very close to my heart. And mm-hmm. so everyone, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming, Kevin. And Everyone, watch this movie. Find out a way to watch Last Resort 2022 version. And Joseph Spence, look him up. You are going to love his music. Yeah, that one's free. You can watch that on YouTube. That's on me. You can watch that. I'll pick up the tab there. That is such a beautiful gift that you have shared with all of us. Mm. Run for Pompeii. Kevin Taylor, he is, you are, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the pandemic got you to start writing because and to have that have that faith and belief in yourself because you are incredible at it and I cannot wait to watch more of your work so thank you so much thank you for coming thank you and everyone like subscribe please share share the podcast let's share the joy and the wisdom of such beautiful people Thank you so much, mm. Kevin. I well, was... you're beautiful too, and and I, rem- I and I know you brought this great um, aura and and uh, and uh, and uh, happiness around you in Exuma. Maybe it's just Exuma, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we were so happy to have you along, and you you were a uh, you were a, a great um, uh, ambassador to the run with uh, with all the kids. And you, I think you loved the event in the school more than the kids did when you were. <laughs> dancing around the music and everything like that so it, it that was uh it was nice to see and and uh i i really really enjoyed meeting you and i'm glad we got a chance to do this today thank you so much okay i will speak to you soon everyone have a lovely day 